Good afternoon. Welcome in once again. Jimmy B and TC on the air with you. It's a football Friday and we are stacked up here for the next two hours as we will talk a lot in the world of sports, college football, high school football, NFL football. We got it all covered here for you today. Coming up in the uh, first part of the program, our buddy Wolfgang's going to stop by. He'll be up in Ames getting ready for the Iowa State-Oklahoma matchup. We'll talk you and I, Iowa, the passing game, get into that, and uh, certainly what he expects to see from the Hawks and the Panthers. That comes your way here in just a little bit. Then after that, going to uh, drop over, going to be talking to Tyler McComas. McComas is a radio guy down in Norman, Oklahoma, works for Sports Talk Radio 1400 down in Norman. His perspective Iowa State, Oklahoma, what we're going to see, how it's going to go. We'll get the thoughts of somebody from down in Soonerland. That's coming your way later on this hour. We'll cap it off with Gary Swenson, the head coach for the Valley Tigers tonight, our Central Iowa game of the week. It will be West Des Moines Valley on the road, making their way over to Waukee and taking on the Warriors. Hopefully get a good one there. Top 10 matchup, number 8 Waukee hosting top-ranked Valley, and we'll hear from Gary Swenson coming up here in just a little while. 5 o'clock hour will begin. We'll go to Chicago. Adam Kramer will be joining us, Kegs and Eggs. Lots with him today on college football. We'll take a look at some of those big matchups and uh, get his thoughts and perspectives on that. We'll also be talking with Lee Sterling as we do on Fridays. His five-pack of picks and a big week for Lee. Doesn't release these games very often, but he's got one circled this week. One of his big plays, they hit at an incredible clip. So if you are a gambler, if you would like to get on board, I would suggest this would be a good week to jump on with Lee Sterling. And as always, he'll give us a five-pack of picks coming up with him later on today. And then we will finish things up. Jimmy B, will uh, he'll come in for the final segment of the day as we'll dock his pay another uh, day of work today. And uh, he'll come in, make some picks. We we have got off to a slow start. Now, I'm at 60% over the noon hour. So maybe that's where I'm at my best. Perhaps. We pick Jimmy B and myself. Big games every week. We'll pick this week. Iowa State against Oklahoma. You and I, Iowa. Ohio State, TCU. Steelers, Chiefs. And, and you know, originally I had Vikings-Packers on there. But as we await the decision of what's going to happen with Aaron Rodgers, will he, won't he, when that determination is going to be handed down, will we find out something tonight, tomorrow, will it be not till Sunday morning that we hear that he's not going to play? Because of that, you know, I, I might throw the old man a bone and let him pick a game. He can pick the fifth game of the week. I'll, I'll be nice for once, and I'll do that for Jimmy B. That comes your way, a busy Football Friday program here Starting with the in-state games this week, and starting first with Iowa State, as as Norman is Oklahoma's in town, making their way up from Norman. You know, I, I look at the national perception here, uh, payback, the way Oklahoma's played through the first two weeks, the improvements we've seen of them defensively, Kyler Murray, and and I just caution. I know when you see a team get beat thirteen to three, the the easy way to turn is just say. This team stinks. They're not very good. I think there's a whole lot more here, though. I really do. I I truly believe that you're going to see Iowa State play a good football game. Now, will it be good enough to topple Oklahoma for the second consecutive year? That's to be seen. 
But think of what that defense did a week ago. Think of how talented that defense is. This is it's such a different Iowa State team. And from Ray Lima to Mike Rose, and you know, talking to some different people that I have throughout you know, the last few weeks, it's funny. Mike Rose is a guy that that just leaps off the screen, not just for us here in the state of Iowa, but across the board. People are already noticing what a difference maker Mike Rose is. I give Oklahoma, Iowa State, I think it's going to be a better game than many people many people think. We'll get into that a little bit later. Again, picks coming your way. But we're going to take an early break. Coming back with more on the other side. Wolfgang will be here this hour, as mentioned. We also got Tyler McComas getting that angle on Oklahoma. And Gary Swenson, the head coach of the Valley Tigers. All to come as we take you up until 6 o'clock. Back with more. Jimmy B and TC. Back at it. We got Wolfgang stepping in with us. Trent Cotton running solo today. Jimmy B, he'll be in later making his picks for the week. And uh, maybe a good time to fade those picks as he had a one and four run last week. We'll be doing that later on in the program today. The big games across college football and the locals. But right now, Wolfgang joins us. Find him on Twitter at Wolfgang Hawkeye. What's a good word, my man? What's going on, Trent? How are you, buddy? I'm doing well. Doing well. Excited for football this weekend. Feels like we're we're in the throes now. No week one. You know, no goofiness. It's just we're into pure football. We're talking about the games. We're talking about the matchups. We're looking forward to next week and a possibility of game day for Iowa, Wisconsin. Oh. Let's start right there, Wolfgang. I mean, the importance of that. The last time the game day was in town was way back in 2006 as number one Ohio State was coming in. How excited does that get you? How, how pumped up are you if you do see game day coming to Iowa City? That's one of those things. Like, and I've been to one, and I, it was before. You said 2006 was the last one, Trent? Yes, yes. There, there had to be one way before that that I went to. But anyway, it's, it's one of those things you got to go to. you got to experience. I don't remember being able to hear a dang word they could say. Have you ever been to one of those? Because I couldn't hear anything they said. We were just cheering. Everybody's holding up signs and stuff. But I literally couldn't hear anything they said. You know, I, I didn't go to the very first one back in the 90s. I didn't make it to that one. It wasn't the big deal back then either that it is, certainly today. And 2006, well, I'll be honest, I had drinking to do. I didn't want to make my way across the, the river and over to Hubbard Park. So, no, I've never, I've never experienced it. And maybe as I get older, maybe that's something down the road I'll get to. But, you know, I only get, well, and it's not even seven anymore. It's usually four or five is the only times I get to Iowa City. I, I I don't want to I don't want to spend it walking around and and listening to to guys that I can watch on the DVR, you know. No, and I do understand that. If I did go, I would probably not stay the entire time. I would want to experience at least get some of the feel of it and then take off. Yeah, you got tailgating to do, you got other stuff to do. Um, but it is it's one of those things that even college football fans that I hear that they just love it. It's just a part of college football. You got Lee Corso, you got Herb Street, all these guys, Desmond Howard. These guys just people watch on TV. They're there to showcase your university, your football program, and everything that they like about your university. So would I make it? I absolutely would. Um, do I think they're going to come? I don't think so, Trent. That's a Fox game, right? It is a Fox game, yeah. 7.30 on Fox. The ABC game where Herb Street will be pretty good one in its own right, Stanford in Oregon. And if you're hoping for... And maybe one of those teams will get upset this weekend. Stanford plays UC Davis. Oregon plays San Jose State. So uh, Oregon's favored by 41.5. No line yet on the uh, Stanford-UC Davis game. 
hoping for an upset. That's not going to happen. That's where I'd put my money. I think they'll be at Stanford at Oregon. And I'm, I can't, no, I'm not going to say this. I almost said I was going to root against them coming to Iowa City. I'm not going to do that. I know this is going to sound funny, but Iowa playing Wisconsin in the latest game ever at Kinnick Stadium, mm-hmm. the Iowa crowd having game day there, drinking even earlier than they normally do, more people showing up, getting rowdy, getting crazy, and losing all sorts of energy, passion before the game even starts. I mean, they'll be dead by halftime, Trent. I think it would be better if game day did not come here, and I'm not even joking. There are times that you, you can't drink all day. Yeah, you can. I, I, I'm a prime example. Yeah, you can. And still have to, I've seen it before, man. I've seen the passion where it's about gone at halftime because people overindulge. I've seen that, man, and people are going to get so pumped for that Wisconsin game. They're going to be there early, eating, eating tons, drinking tons. Then they're having to cheer for game day. They're going to already lose their voice trying to make the, the campus and Iowa City look great like they should. So I don't think this, is, this would necessarily be a bad thing if they didn't show up. I know that sounds crazy. But it would not be a bad thing, I don't think. Well, and spotlighting the children's hospital is obviously kind of at the forefront of all this. And maybe that's what, what tips the scales. Because there's nothing left on the Iowa schedule that you'd anticipate they'd be coming to game day. They're not coming for Maryland. They're not coming for Northwestern, even Nebraska at the end of the year. This is the, the only opportunity of 2018 for them to come to Kinnick and come to Iowa City. So I know that's the hope for a lot of people. But we'll find out usually either late Saturday night or uh, early Sunday is when we find out where the destina- destination will be. I'll put the uh, the favorite, that Oregon-Stanford game, about minus 150. We'll go 4-1 uh, to one, that, that it's Iowa if we, uh, we're putting some betting odds out there. Do you know how, Trent, do you know how often they do that where they'll – They'll do a Fox game versus some sort of ABC or ESPN game that are connected. They, How they, often do they actually do that? They, they do it quite a bit. I mean, you think of CBS's package with the SEC, and, and that doesn't matter either. So it's I, I'm sure if it's close, they, they'd like to stay. It means no trip then for Herb Street to have to get on the plane, him and, and the Bear to, to get to whatever the game. And I'm going to guess Iowa City to Eugene, not exactly the, the easiest path, though they take a private jet. Can you even take a big private jet out of the Iowa City Regional Airport? I'm not sure. That means having to get to Cedar Rapids, then getting let, into Let me Eugene. ask my pilot real quick. Let me ask okay, my yeah, you, you give him a call. You let <laughs> us know on that one. To the games this weekend, and uh, your Oklahoma Sooners come to town, Wolfgang. Mr. Oklahoma, you got to be laying the big points with the Sooners, aren't you? Well, let me, let me tell you this. So this is cool. I'm going to the game. Iowa State, Oklahoma, luxury box, my friend. Ooh. Look yeah, at you, I Mr. could not Big pass Tom. it up. I could not pass that up. Are you going to be wearing your Sooner maroon? No, I'm not that guy. <laughs> I, I used to be that guy. I just don't have it in me for stupid people anymore. And I don't like to be the stupid guy that wears my gear. I think you might be different. I, I will not go to opposing places, wear my Hawkeye gear, and cheer. I just won't. I know that sounds horrible, unless I'm with a huge group of Hawkeyes. Mm-hmm. Like, if we have our own huge section, but if I got, like, if I went off StubHub and got and I went to a Wisconsin game and I sat at the thirty yard line surrounded by thousands of Wisconsin fans, I'm not wearing my black and gold, yelling, yelling, and putting up with all that stuff. I just can't do it. It's not worth it to me. I love sports. It's just not worth it to me anymore. So I will not do that. And you know why I like Iowa State, so stop it. So I don't even know who I'm rooting for. You're rooting for a good game. The question is, are we going to get a good game? Because it feels like everybody the revenge angle has been played a whole lot. We see what Kyler Murray has been able to do. I think Iowa State's going to play well. I really do. And we know defensively 
how good this team is. I think they got something up their sleeve. I'm not a big believer that Oklahoma goes from that train wreck they were a year ago defensively to suddenly some kind of elite defense. I think there's going to be points to be had for Iowa State here. And I think this is a four-quarter game. I think Iowa State's in it with a chance, maybe down 10, something like that, in the fourth quarter. I certainly think they stay under that number, and, and it continues to balloon up to 19. I'm grabbing those points with the clones all day long. Well, I'm looking very much forward, because I don't know about you, but I'm getting to the point where with television, um, and we're, we're blessed to be able to watch games how we do, color TV, big screens. When did big screens start you know, becoming popular? Now everybody has a big screen. We got HD. We got different camera angles. But I still don't see what I want to see. I, I can't tell what's going on downfield. I can't tell if the quarterback is seeing the wide receivers open and is throwing the pass when he needs to throw the pass. I can't wait to see that this weekend. Is Iowa State, are they, are they seeing the wide receivers when they need to be seen? Is this Kyler Murray? Because he looks good. I've seen both games. Mm-hmm. I've been doing chores around, you know, up here at Clear Lake as I'm watching it. But I've, tr- I've seen pretty much the whole game. He looks good to me. He did not look good at Texas A&M when I saw him. As a, and, again, he was a true freshman. I didn't really get the hype with him. I didn't get it at all. I'm kind of seeing it right now. So I'm very much looking forward to seeing him way up there, seeing if, you know, what kind of a passer is he? We know he can run. And what kind of havoc will that uh, – put on the Iowa State defense. I mean, it put havoc on I mean, he's really fast, dude. He's really fast. Well, it's going to give Iowa State problems. But I did not think he could be a good passer, and so far he kind of looks like a good passer, Trent. He does. This is different, though. He's going on the road for the first time. It's one thing to do it down in Norman. It's another to do it on the road, and that's another reason I like Iowa State this week. This is, for all intents and purposes, the home opener, the lid lifter, 11 o'clock kickoff, maybe a little sleepy start out of the Sooners. I, I think a lot of the things point Iowa State's way coming up this weekend. We'll see how Kyler Murray looks on the road, uh, another piece of it. So you'll be there for that one later. And Trent, what's, what is the line? You keep referring to the line. What is the line? Uh, it was up to 19 earlier today. Let me Let me take a look right now at the latest number on that. Yeah, there, there's, well, it's kind of all over the place. It, it's as high as 19.5 at the Westgate in Vegas. It's as low as 17.5 at uh, both stations in William Hill. So th- this is certainly one of them. Make sure if you got a couple accounts, you, you, you're in Vegas listening right now, wink, wink. Make sure you get the best number. If you're taking Iowa State, get that 19.5. If you're laying it with Oklahoma, Lay the 17 and a half. This kind of epitomizes get the number at the best price. Yeah, but what scares me a little bit about Iowa State fans is I don't know if they're there as a fan base where I thought they might be. We talked before the season came on. We were talking about this is a different year for Iowa State football than I've ever experienced in my life on this, this planet. I have never seen where I looked at every single game that Iowa State had to play and go, yeah, they could win that. Yeah, they could win that. Mm-hmm. I don't understand when I'm seeing this stuff on the message boards or Twitter or I'm talking to people at, at flag football games, and they're just they're negative, man. They're negative about that offensive line, and I think I heard you or Kenny said, this is, I mean, this is about as worse an offensive line as we've ever seen at Iowa State. Are we not going too far there? Are we, not, are we being too hard on Iowa State and not giving Iowa's defensive line enough credit here? I don't understand how people are all of a sudden – extrapolating that what they saw where it was a 6-3 game with four and a half minutes and then Stanley makes an unbelievably awesome pass 
and I need to start focusing on the positive because that's where he left me, Trent. That was an unbelievably awesome pass, third and four, third and five, whatever it was, four and a half minutes left, and he put that sucker out there Mm -hmm. perfect. So we just saw what the possibility is if he just calms down a little bit. But Iowa State fans are, to me, surprising me a little bit how back they how bad they went back to that that woe is me syndrome i'm like one in five one in six sure that could happen to everybody if you go lost 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 and i'm not bashing i like to do that too I, I like to look at worst case scenario and just vent then i like to get positive and just vent on the other side look at us <laughs> and then you come you come somewhere in between but the one in five one in six start none of those other big 12 teams are that great yeah, I, that's a good point. It's Oklahoma and everybody else, and, and depending on how much you believe in West Virginia, what they're doing defensively, we know they can score. But yeah, you look across the landscape. I mean, does Oklahoma State scare you? TCU, we'll find out a lot about them this week. Texas certainly has had problems, as has Texas Tech. K-State's looked terrible early on this year. Kansas finally has a win, but no, you're right. And you win those tight games, you win those 50-50 games, and they go in your balance. This still can be a very successful season, and it'll culminate at home December 1st with Incarnate Word coming to town. Wolfgang, I got to get your thoughts on this. <laughs> no, it's, it's one of those things um, where I believe you said, you know, if their name was, what, Southern Utah or something like that, we wouldn't laugh, right. but their name isn't Southern Utah. <laughs> it's Incarnate Word. And if you don't find that funny, then you're, you don't have ears, a brain, and a sense of humor. We're, they're playing incarnate word. Do I blame them? No. Get a win. Get a win. You would have had a win game one. Just find a win if the season doesn't go as planned and you only have five wins going into that game. Get the win. Yes, obviously, yeah. but incarnate word, if you expect me to look at them and not laugh at that and giggle, I did some homework on them. They're a private... Catholic school, they have like 10,000, 11,000 people. They, they started off as a woman's college, which I'm assuming has changed since then. It's, 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 just, it's kind of funny to me. I've Incarnate word. It's like Austin P. You remember that 1986, yeah, 1987? Yeah. Illinois, let's go P. Let's go P. Dickie V was doing the game, was he not? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Back in the NCAA For, tournament. They, yes. they, they upset well, I mean, Illinois, which was great. Is that not funny, Austin P? Yes. Let's go P. Yes. That's funny. Incarnate word is funny. And if it is all women's team, I don't mean that's funny. I just mean it's going to get a lot of attention. A lot of people are going to be buying tickets. That's going to bleed over into CNN, Fox News, MSNBC, and all women's team coming in to play at the Cyclones. Well, it's not an all women's school anymore, so you're going to be okay on that one, Wolfgang. We'll, we'll be. I don't, I don't get much internet access up here anymore. I, I figured as much. I figured as much. Well, with that, let's finish up here in the last couple of minutes. Iowa, this week, you and I comes to town. We, we've talked about how good that Hawkeye defensive line has played. You'd anticipate they'll control the line of scrimmage. What do you want to see, though, out of the Hawks this week? So, I just beg, sometime in my life, I can get the view that I'm going to get at Iowa State. At Jack Trice, you know, being able to see what the quarterbacks see, being able to see all that stuff, that I get that opportunity one time in my life at Kinnick. Because I've never had that. And can I, where have you been sitting, Trent? Are you getting a good view of what Nathan Stanley... Because that, to me, is the number one question. The, the number one question I'm asking all my friends, all my family members, what the heck is going on with Nathan Stanley? Mm-hmm. And I just said I'm trying to be positive because that last pass was so beautiful. And how about clutch? Yeah. Anybody brought that up? How clutch was that? Mm-hmm. It's a three-point game with four and a half or whatever left. 
booyah, 30-yard pass right down to the two. That's clutch, man. That was a beautiful touch, great catch, all that stuff. So, man, that's positive going forward. I know I was a little negative on Monday, but to me, look at the other side. That's some positive. I, he ended that game with us seeing the best pass that he threw all day, and it was gorgeous. But I want to see – I just wish I was there and had end zone seats. I know I don't think you're a fan of them, but I just want to see when the guy's cut, what he's seeing, when he's throwing it. That's what I want to see. You've been at Kinnick. What have you seen that the TV doesn't show me because it drives me crazy, man? I can't tell. I think he's seeing ghosts. I, I think he's having trouble right now. Game one, two new tackles. All right, you get it, but you got worse back. You got Jackson back, and he's not comfortable. He's pressing. He gets frustrated with himself and has gotten down. See him kind of hitting at his leg as he's walking off the field. It's been it's been a disappointing start, no doubt, to the season for Stanley. And, and I, I wonder, is it all upstairs? Is it all mental with him? Or is there something a little bit deeper? So those are the questions that I have right now, certainly. No, but I'm, I'm looking forward to it big time. I mean, if, if he's the thing we're complaining about most, obviously I didn't agree with the first-round draft pick projections from the NFL experts over at ESPN mm-hmm. for this year as a true junior, but that doesn't mean I think he sucks. He's far from a sucky quarterback. He's got a good arm. Um, he's a good leader. But, yeah, let's work on the pocket presence. Let's work on the touch. I mean, it's there. Let's just mold him the right way. Let's coach him the right way. If we're put too much on his table, let's take that off the table. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Yeah. No, I got you. I, I think it's it's a real good point. Well, with that, we are out of time. Wolfgang, we'll talk to you on Monday. Enjoy Jack Trice and uh, enjoy those those cocktails in, in the lounge. Oh, my gosh. Yes. I, I can't. I'm, no. I'm actually not going to drink one out of principle. I'm not going to be that snooty person. I'm not drinking one if nobody else in the stadium can. I'm that guy. Get out of here, snooty. Bye. Wolfgang checking in with us. Quick timeout. We're coming back with more. Taking it up until 6 o'clock. High school football tonight takes the airwaves. Waukee and West Des Moines Valley, our Central Iowa game of the week. Play-by-play starting at 6.30 with the pregame, 7 o'clock with the kick. All here on 1700 KBGG. All right, welcome back. Jimmy B and TC continues on running solo here today. And Tyler McComas, he's going to join us right now. Give us that Oklahoma Sooner perspective with Oklahoma making their way up to Ames for the 11 o'clock kickoff at Jack Trice Stadium. Tyler, what's happening? What's going on, Trent? How are you, man? It's um, it's 2-0 Oklahoma, and they're rolling. And, of course, we know what, we know what happened last year in Norman. So I think there's a lot of people that are anxious to see they can bounce back against Iowa State this week. Well, Tyler, I, I want to get into a couple of different things with you here today. And the, and the first thing is the revenge angle. And, and I know it's an angle that's brought up about, look, if it's 2.30 and we're in the postgame press conference and, and people are asking the question, you know it's something that's going to be talked about. But when the ball is kicked, I, I'm not a subscriber to the rivalry theory, to, to the coming back and, and getting revenge from what happened a year ago. Do you believe it at all, or is it just a motivational ploy helping the guys get through the week? Yeah, I, I think that's 100% it. Once the ball's kicked, you forget about last year. I mean, if you're thinking about last year during the game, I think you're doing yourself a massive disservice. The only way, in my opinion, that that really, really helps you is like you said, during the week. You've looked really impressive for two straight weeks. This is still a young football team. Do they sit back and start to think, huh, you know what? We're, we're a pretty good football team. Everybody around us is telling us how good we are. Uh, Joe Klatt is telling us we're the second best team in the country. You know, look at us. Look how well we're playing right now. Lincoln Riley is really hammering it into this football team this week that, hey, 
they came into your house last year and they beat you. What are you going to do about it now? So I think that that gets you Monday through Friday. But in terms of actual game day on Saturday and maybe past the first drive or two, I, I don't think it's, I, I really don't think it's that big of a deal. Now, you know, going back to last year, I do think that that Ohio State thing was a big deal mm-hmm. because it didn't just get them through a week. It got them through an entire summer. It's like their whole offseason was built on going to Columbus last year and beating Ohio State. This is different because it is in week three. It's a week later. I think it's been motivation Monday through Friday. But in terms of Saturday, that, that's not going to be the biggest difference of the game. In fact, I think it's going to be a very, very minimal difference. You know, that loss a year ago was just so odd. We saw Oklahoma jumped out to the big lead. They were in the passing game, certainly targeting Joel Lanning, who was new to the position at middle linebacker. You saw them going after him. And then... The wheels didn't fall apart. They still scored 31 points. They had over 500 yards of total offense, but they couldn't get those stops. Take us back to your perspective that day. A new quarterback and Kyle Kemp takes over after Park had left the program. It was just, it was such odd circumstances. How that was treated a year ago down in Norman? When the news of Jacob Park broke, and I believe it was like Friday afternoon of the game when we found out in Norman that Jacob Park wasn't going to play. And I remember him watching, what was it, a week before, two weeks before, when they played Texas on that Thursday night. And the conversation around here is, well, is that necessarily the worst thing to happen? Because Jacob Park, I guess in maybe his last game of the Cyclone, didn't didn't play all that well. So there was a lot of uncertainty with Kyle Kemp. And sure, I mean, he played well, and, and I'll give him credit for that. But the biggest thing to that game is the fact that Iowa State, for the first time that year, really found what OU's Achilles heel was defensively. Because coming into that game, they had played decently well. Now, they struggled the week before against Baylor, but what Iowa State did is we said, you know what, OU, we don't think you're that great of a defense in terms of tackling in the open field. So we're really going to test that. We're going to do some wide receiver screens. We're going to get your corners and your secondary guys out in open field and see how well you tackle. Well, I mean, we, we all saw how that ended up. OU didn't tackle very well at all, and a lot of simple routes went for touchdowns for, for Iowa State. David Montgomery had, you know, didn't have a massive day in the stack column, but he broke a whole lot of tackles and he was really tough to bring down. So it was just, that was the start of the really kind of frustrating two months for the OU defense, just because it's not like Iowa State was doing anything just extraordinary offensively in terms of play calling. They were doing a whole lot of simple stuff and still OU couldn't defend it. It was such a crazy game, and one of the biggest wins, certainly, in Iowa State football history. Getting the win, not just beating Oklahoma, but coupled with doing it on the road in the fashion that they did. From there to this season, and Iowa State, again, as they did in that game, comes in with a lot of question marks. Offensively, offensive line struggled mightily. Oklahoma, a year ago, it was about the offense. We saw those struggles defensively really short of that game against Ohio State that you mentioned before. Tyler, the defensive improvements that we've seen, are you a believer in them or maybe a bit of a mirage with the opponents they play the first couple of weeks? Okay, I'm a believer, and I'll preface by saying this. Last year, the first two games of the year, they, they looked really good defensively as well. They came out really, really hot. Even in Columbus against Ohio State, they held the Buckeyes to 16 points. But it just feels different this year. They're getting after the quarterback. They have six sacks against UCLA. Is UCLA the best offense that they're going to face this year? No, but you can just tell that they're doing a better job of getting after the quarterback and tackling in open space. They look more aggressive. Now, I'm not saying that I expect this defense to be a top-10 defense. I don't think that that's going to be the case at all. But in terms of improve from last year, 
yeah, I, I really do think that they're improved from a year ago. Safety is still the biggest question mark on this defense, and they haven't been tested up to this point. But I really think their D-line is solid. I really think their linebackers are solid, and I have much better corner play as well. So does that make them the, even the best defense in the Big 12? I'd still throw that over to TCU. But I fully expect this defense to not have the issues that it had a year ago, and I'll really be surprised if those things flare up again. On the other side of the football, Baker Mayfield moves on, the number one pick in the NFL. But here's Kyler Murray. Got a lot of buzz in the summer, a guy that was drafted highly in the first round of the Major League Baseball amateur draft by the Oakland Athletics. What kind of difference are you seeing offensively? Certainly a guy that has that more end-to-end speed. The thing that I've saw, and I haven't seen a ton of the Sooners yet to this point, but I've really been impressed by, there's been opportunities for him just to tuck it and run, but he stood tall in that pocket, kept looking downfield, and making some big throws up the field. I think that's the most surprising thing, and even Lincoln Riley was surprised about how patient he's been thus far. Now, he has taken his opportunity to get out of the pocket and scramble. He made an unbelievable cynical Wallace-type play back 2002 against Texas Tech. I know all your listeners remember that play. Mm -hmm. He didn't run nearly as far as Seneca did that day, but it was kind of similar to where the first drive against FAU, he runs over to the left side of the field, peels all the way back, goes clear across the field, ends up on the other sideline, and picks up a first down. And that's kind of when you said, wow, this dude really is an electric athlete. And the funny thing about college football is in the NFL, you get four preseason games to kind of see an open training camp to kind of see what players look like, kind of get to see what teams look like. In college football, you don't have that. Like, we got to see Kyler Murray in a spring game where the conditions were horrible, but outside that, we didn't really know what we were going to get. We didn't really know how accurate he was with the football, with decision-making. So going into game one and even game two, it was still kind of a mystery on how good Kyler Murray was going to be. And, yeah, the patience to me is really stuck out. He just looks calm, cool, and collected. He looks like he's been a starter for three or four years now. He doesn't look like a guy that is the man for the first time in several years. Accuracy with the football hasn't been an issue, and the kid's got a really, really strong arm as well. I've been, and I think everybody around here, has been pleasantly surprised with what Kyler's been able to do the first two weeks. Now, it's been a really controlled environment for him. Nobody's gotten pressure on the quarterback. Two defenses that aren't great. I think Iowa State is the best defense that they're going to face at this point. And plus, he's been, you know, in the friendly confines of Norman, Oklahoma. This is his first time as the guy that he's going on the road in front of a hostile environment. Still a little bit yet to be seen on how he handles a situation like that. Tyler McComas joining us here as we preview Oklahoma, Iowa State. You can find his work, Sports Talk 1400, down in Norman. Tyler, from there, the running game takes a blow with the injury and uh, the lost season for Rodney Anderson. Tell us about the run game and some of the names. It's Oklahoma. You expect them to have some dudes back there. How big of an impact, and who are we going to see in the backfield tomorrow? Well, in terms of an impact, I think it's a massive impact. And David Montgomery's a really good player. Justice Hill at Oklahoma State's a good player. I'll put Rodney Anderson up against anybody in the country in terms of a running back. I, I really will. I think he's that good. I actually think he's the best player on OU's football team. The problem with this, and this is the first game where they don't have Rodney Anderson, is every running back on the team up to this point had a clear, defined role. Rodney Anderson's role was, well, you never, you never really had to take him off the field. He was great in pass protection. He was great in the sh- uh, short yardage running game. He was great in the running game, period. He was good catching the ball out of the backfield. I mean, Rodney Anderson was a true three-down back that you could always leave in the most crucial parts of the game. 
Well, now that's gone. And now they don't have a running back that kind of fits that bill. And I think it's going to be really interesting to see moving forward because last year what they did when they really got going towards the tail end of the year is Rodney Anderson was your feature back, and Trey Sermon would get carries here and there throughout the first half. But Trey Sermon's big role was in the fourth quarter when OU's trying to salt the game away or go on an eight-minute drive where they're counting the football. Like that was That was Trey Sermon's role because he's a big body, he's tough to tackle, and he's tough to bring down late in games when the defense is really, really tired. OU's not going to have that now. They're not going to have the gift of that now because I think going into Saturday against Iowa State, Trey Sermon is, 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 is going to be your main ball carrier, along with Marcella Sutton. Those two guys are completely different backs. That's like a thunder and lightning combo. They also have Kennedy Brooks and T.J. Pledger. One's a redshirt freshman, one's a true freshman, both highly touted. OU will be fine in the running game, but they're not going to have the explosive nature that they had with Rodney Anderson. And how well Iowa State plays against the run, and they do play the run well. We saw that last week against Iowa. I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see just how many big plays this run game can generate. Tyler, one more thing. As you look at Oklahoma, certainly the favorite coming into the year, and nothing has changed the first two weeks of the season with that. West Virginia, maybe they do have a defense to go with Will Greer and company. But as a whole, Big 12 Opportunity still in front of them. You know, Baylor, they play Duke, a decent ACC team this weekend. We get to see Oklahoma State hosting Boise State, Texas, USC. But the Big 12 still battling a bit of a perception problem. If Oklahoma loses a game in the regular season again, still goes on to win the title, wins the Big 12 Conference Championship game, are you concerned that the perception of the Big 12 maybe could be something that does hold them back this season? I've been concerned about that for, for 12 months, to be honest with you. And and I think it's fair because let, let's look at last year. OU was a one-loss team with a Big 12 championship, but let's look at what, what was on their resume. They had a road win at Ohio State, who was the Big Ten champ. They had a road win at number 11, Oklahoma State. They had a home win against the top 10 TCU team, and they had a neutral site win against a really good TCU team in the Big 12 championship game. I mean, that's four quality wins that they have, four quality top 15 wins. That's a really good resume at the end of the year. And remember, the committee doesn't seem to care about who you've lost to. I think they care about that a little bit. But I think they care more about who you've beaten. So let's look at this year. Well, who's OU going to have on the schedule if they're a one-loss team to where they can really brag about on their resume? I mean, Texas? No, not, not really. I mean, I think Texas is going to have two or three losses coming in that game in October. Oklahoma State, clearly, it looks like that they've taken a step back. Um, there's just not a whole lot of opportunities for marquee wins on the schedule unless you play like a top 10 West Virginia team at the end of the year and then have a rematch with them a week later. But, yeah, in, in terms of the other teams that, you know, are going to be in that final decision for the final spot, that could mean an Ohio State, a Penn State, a Georgia, an Alabama, a Notre Dame. I mean, I just don't think that OU is going to have the quality wins as a one-loss team as some of the other teams that they're, uh, you know, competing for for that final spot. I, I, I think that they may be in a scenario to where, Style points are really, really important for them throughout the year. Good stuff. Hey, Tyler, as always, good catching up with you, talking about the matchup. Oklahoma coming to town. It's a big one. I know the fans uh, will be excited. Even with that early kickoff, they'll be well lubricated in there and and excited with the Sooners coming to town and trying to change around a, a disappointing start to the year with the thunderstorm out in game number one and the loss to Iowa. Cyclone fans will be ready. Should be a lot of fun. Thank you so much for your time today. 
Anytime, Trent. Welcome back as we get ready for kickoff tonight here on the pregame show. 7 o'clock kickoff with number one West Des Moines Valley and eighth-ranked Waukee, a matchup of the Western Suburbs, two teams that eh, rivalry certainly has built throughout the years. And joining us right now, Gary Swenson, the head man for the Valley Tigers. Coach, I, I asked you right when I brought you on, I don't know if you're playing a little bit of possum with me, but Boy, your performance out of your squad and the way that defense stepped up when we talked two weeks ago before that Dowling game, what an impressive performance. And got to be happy with the way your D's playing here a third of the way through the season. Oh, absolutely. Uh, we're, we're thrilled with it. Uh, we thought, you know, we knew we would have a good defense. Uh, with us, it's always, you know, a depth issue. If you can stay healthy, mm-hmm. That's what's happened to us the last few years in the playoffs. By the time we got there, we had we had some attrition because of the injury, which you always do. I mean, that's just part of a nine-game season, and then it made us a different team. So right now, you know, we've, knock on wood, been lucky. We, we haven't had any of the, of the season-ending type injuries, and if we can keep those kids all on the field, they're, it's a very good group, so... We're, we're we're thrilled with how they're playing, and we know that we can we'll be we'll have a chance to win against anybody as long as you know we can keep the the players we need out there on the field. You know, uh, a guy that I was so impressed by, and a name that certainly you know, really two guys in that performance two weeks ago against Dowling was John Shaner and Carson Shelton. Just felt like those guys were were all over the field, really helping you out and. When you have playmakers like that, you know, in the second and third levels of your defense, it's got to help those guys and maybe give them a little bit more confidence in front of them at that defensive line spot. Hey, if we do assignment football here, we know we have guys behind us that can help clean it up. Yeah, they're good players. I mean, John ended up being a starter a year ago. He didn't start out that way, but he played himself into the lineup and he's, you know, he's a big contributor on our track team, so we know he can run and he's smart. He gets us lined up. You know, he reminds me a lot of the Mahoney kid we had a couple of years ago in our secondary. That mm-hmm. one of those glue guys you got to have back there that rarely makes an assignment mistake and then has some talent to back it up. Carson Shelton played a lot on offense a year ago for us as a sophomore, but we had always felt like his. You know, focus position for us would be as a as a linebacker, just because of his toughness and his athleticism, and that's indeed what has happened. And there 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 are two guys that we can count on to make some plays for us, as they did that night, and as some other kids did too. I was impressed with a lot of our kids on the back end, and I thought our corner Roy Jensen played real well that night, and we were you know. Bracken Cobb is our other outside linebacker who we brought back and has a lot of experience. And if those kids are, you know, playing well, it, it, the the defense that we're running is is pretty solid. Coach, uh, I want to get your perspective on your quarterback, Bo Lombardi. We saw him a year ago starting for the first time as a junior. Really impressed by him and just the improvements that he's made as a quarterback here in his senior year. Seems a lot more fluid out there. Looked like mechanically is really taking a step forward here in his senior season. Yeah, I just think, you know, a year ago he came into the season as a sophomore. We have lost 
some kids to injury that were tight end, H-back, full-back type guys, and he was pressed into helping us at that spot to get on the field because his brother was still here as our starting quarterback. So, you know, he spent a full season away from the quarterback position. So then last year coming in, not only was he lacking in varsity experience as a quarterback, he, he had just, you know, fundamentally, if you lose a whole year at the quarterback position, you, you don't just slide right back in where you were. And it, I think he got better as the year went along last year. And then he's a relentless worker. I mean, he has spent so much time on his own throwing the ball to different kids and training and doing all the things that would help him have a nice year. And I think it's showing. Talking right now with Gary Swenson, the head coach for the Valley Tigers. Coach, final thing, a look across the field tonight with Waukee. They had an impressive victory last week as they went on the road, went over to Eastern Iowa and played very, very well in a win against Cedar Rapids Prairie. Looks like this is a team certainly improving. That offensive line's come a long way and a good quarterback themselves in Mitch Randall. Yeah, he's really good. I think he's the best we'll see this year at that spot. And their team is just gotten so much better in a short span. I mean, they turned right around after the Dowling game and their opener and went over to Southeast Polk and won convincingly and then went to Prairie last week and won. Those are good teams that, that they beat on the road. And you could just see the confidence building in their team now that they've got some experience under their belt. And I think there is they're, they're a team, if you talk about the better teams in this area, they're in the, they're somebody you have to mention because they're playing so well right now. And they've got, you know, they've, everybody has some good players, and they're included. It's not just the quarterback. The tailback's really good, and they've got some young guys on defense that are really athletic that uh, look like different players after they, after they got through that opener. Coach, should be another good one tonight. Looking forward to it. Final of non-district play before next week. District play gets started for everybody across uh, central Iowa and across the state. We will see you out there on the field. Best of luck this evening. Thanks, Brett.